Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to Syndicate, a film and TV podcast. From our screens to your watch list, we gather to share and discuss your next favorite. Join us as we want you to spend less time scrolling and more time watching. And now, here's your host, Armand Haddad. Hello, and welcome to Syndicate, where we want you to spend less time scrolling and more time watching. I'm your host, Armand Haddad, and welcome to Episode 5. This season, we are exploring the hidden gems of films, or films you probably passed over watching. Joining me in the studio today is Josh. Josh, how are you doing today? Doing fantastic. Currently, Josh is a business analyst for a technology company here in the Chicago area. Today, we are going to discuss the ramifications of war and touch on the plights of the people of former Yugoslavia. For today's film, recommendation is Behind Enemy Lines. Josh, what did you think about Behind Enemy Lines? Behind Enemy Lines feels like it's trying to drag you through the war as hell uh, idea instead of kind of taking you through it coincidentally. And in my experience, movies I've seen where I'm really immersed in like the story, really immersed in the context of what's going on. War is hell is serendipity. It's not, here we are, we took you to war is hell. Isn't war hell? It's, oh God, all these things are happening. People are trying to live their lives and war is happening around them. It's come to them or they've come to it and they haven't realized just how bad it is until they're here. Think full metal jacket for example Mm -hmm. like full metal jacket is war is hell but you're not greeted with war is hell instead the character is brought to it and he only realizes war is hell after the movie gets going after momentum gets moving war is hell is the background it's the context so that's just to open up my first thoughts about behind enemy lines so you're saying that behind enemy lines from like a filmmaking standpoint focuses more on the backdrop and not the characters and like films such as full metal jackets focuses on the character and then coincidentally the background is the war i think that's a fair way to put it it's as if throughout the movie 
there was this kind of stumble between both Mm -hmm. like oh we're talking about the the travesties and uh in bosnia and herzegovina yes um and then we're stumbling over on how owen wilson needs to learn his lesson it's just like it felt like an odd child between a bruce willis action movie and a saving private ryan yeah. that's kind of it it couldn't decide whether it wanted to be a lock stock and guns blazing war movie mm-hmm. or a gritty realistic tale of war as hell it really could not decide that that's what it felt like while i was watching it there's so many sequences where it's like this is exciting all these action set pieces absolutely but the actual story is kind of set to the side i mean yeah. at the end of the day it is an action movie because it did have some really cool special effects and i will say that was probably my favorite parts of the movie was when it showed off some really great practical special effects mm-hmm. um top of mind's favorite scene would probably be the ejection scene towards the beginning right when they're flying over the no-fly zone mm-hmm. and you know they're being chased by the missiles it wasn't the you know, the choppy CGI missiles from the early 2000s <laughs> that was exciting. What was exciting was the ejection and the quick shots of oh, yeah. the internal parts of the jet coming apart and mm-hmm. burning up and all this stuff like that. Like, whoa, they put a lot of effort into this. This is really, really neat. Oh, yeah. And uh, before we really get into the movie, a thing we like to do at Syndicate is the 60-second elevator pitch. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been there, you've been there, right. recommending a movie to a friend, and they ask you, well, what's the movie about? So I'm going to give you 60 seconds to summarize the movie without major spoilers of Behind Enemy Lines, and go. Owen Wilson is a ace fighter pilot outside the neutral zone of war-torn Bosnia and Herzegovina during a peak of a bloody conflict. Told to stay off, he uh, this this cut loose fighter pilot just is thirsty for action, but isn't isn't really getting what he wants. But and that's until he breaks the rules, and it will cost him everything, including hard lesson. Wow, <laughs> under thirty seconds. <laughs> oh, geez, no, that's that's that that summarizes it essentially what yeah. the movie's about. I mean, it's a very simplistic movie, and the ironic thing is is that the whole Bosnian conflict and the breakup of Yugoslavia is such a complicated issue. That's the thing that culturally got me is there are not enough movies or shows or historical focuses on the breakup of Yugoslavia, Mm -hmm. on that whole messy conflict in Bosnia and Herzegovina. And they actually filmed the movie in slovakia they did they did i I read that they got (laughs) the budget to film on location like there's a lot of places where they're filming where they're concerned about you know toxicity of the land from the war and for those that don't know about the whole yugoslavian uh, conflict in the 90s to put it very very simply yugoslavia was a socialist state and the breakup occurred after the death of the first president tito in 1980 And this led to an economic collapse, racial tensions between the Serbs, Bosnians. The Bosniaks. There were Bosnians and Bosniaks, and the Bosniaks were Muslims. Jeez. It was was a mess. (laughs) There were like three or four different groups that were all all had different agendas. It was a massive civil war. Yeah. And it broke into six nation states of Serbia, Croatia, Bosnia, Herzegovina, uh, Slovenia, Montenegro, uh, Macedonia. Like it was rough. And I'm a huge history buff, so 
you know, I tip my hat at the dialogue that pointed out the complexity of the conflict, mm-hmm. like the NATO commander who was saying, we've been here for five years. Can your man tell the difference between a Bosnian, a Croatian and a Bosniak uniform? Because I've been here five years and I can't. And it's like that was one of the many complexities of that conflict was it was a massive civil war that NATO forces basically stepped their boot right into trying to calm things down. Yep. And they failed. And they had to pull out peacefully and kind of just look the other way. And that's around the time that those atrocities started happening Mm -hmm. was as soon as the NATO forces started stepping away. Yeah. Like the main character, uh, Owen Wilson, who plays uh, Chris Burnett, a.k.a. Yeah, Burnett. That was it. Yeah. The only name I remembered 100% was his co-pilot Stackhouse. Yeah. Just because the name is memorable. Stackhouse. And his call sign was Longhorn. It felt like a Top Gun clone. Yeah. As part of it. Like the I was very... getting those vibes. Yeah. Like I felt like, I was like, okay, this is like my generation's Top Gun. Because like we were born after Top Gun, like that was the 80s. And this was like 2001. So we were kids when this movie came out. So this was like, oh, our Top Gun. What's interesting is I wonder how they would have produced this movie differently if it was post 9-11 produced. I looked at the date specifically of when it came out and it came Uh out November of 2001. Mm -hmm. So that means given the average production life cycle of a movie that they were probably producing it in 1999, 2000. Mm -hmm. So, you know, 9-11 had happened by the time they released it and all the filming was done. So it leads me to wonder like, what would have been different about this movie about a historical period Mm -hmm. had it been filmed or produced and post 9-11 America yeah you know could they have gone over to Yugoslavia would there have been a lot of tension about making a war movie about making a war movie about a soldier getting shot down in enemy territory and almost killed some some uncomfortable parallels could be drawn Mm -hmm. to say the least yeah and let's get into it so mere months after the terrorist attacks in New York yep yep I felt this movie it was kind of like a linchpin in like what movies were like right before 9-11 because right after 9-11 the enemy of the nation like the subconscious like enemy switched from like eastern europeans former soviet union to uh, muslim uh, islamic terrorists right right the age of terrorism mm-hmm. the age of terrorism became a big a big big cultural focus and you're right about that now that i think about it like the criminals in die hard that hijacked the tower they're eastern europeans yep <laughs> Hans Gruber. <laughs> yeah, they're they're former Soviet citizens probably or some I don't know enough about Die Hard, but I know they're Eastern Europeans. Right. And they're mercenaries and they're there to make money and they're there to rob and kidnap and err and simplistic two dimensional bad guy stuff. Like side note about Die Hard. Even after, you know, two thousand one, they still stuck to their guns about going after Eastern Europeans and Russians, especially in that thing is live free and die hard. Yippee Kaye, Mother Russia. Fun fact: uh-huh. the director he actually produced, he made that movie as well. Really? For real? He made Live Free, Die Hard, 2013, uh-huh. and he also made um, the Flight of the Phoenix remix. Not right. remix, the remix. <laughs> <laughs> Damn that Flight of the Phoenix remix, though. <laughs> yeah, no, he made the remake of yeah. the Flight of the Phoenix, which I thought was an okay movie. That's pretty good. It was. It was okay. <laughs> so yeah. Owen Wilson, so he's known for being pretty much best friends with Wes Anderson. Yeah. Like, he's in almost every Wes Anderson film. Mm -hmm. And in 2001, he was in two other movies besides Behind Enemy Lines. He was in Zoolander, (laughs) 
and he was in the Royal Tenenbaums. <laughs> so the Royal Tenenbaums, Zoolander, and then Behind Enemy Lines. Three totally a, different movies. What a portfolio. <laughs> <laughs> that man has range. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he has wow or wow. <laughs> <laughs> so this was Owen Wilson's first action movie. and Was it really? It was, yeah. He felt weird taking on the role, but he wanted to take on the role. And I do appreciate his portrayal of the main character because he could have been like Bruce Willis, like a meathead, like, yeah, let's do it. But that's not him. Like he doesn't have the stature for it and he doesn't have the personality for it. So he played it as the everyman. And I think that was a smart choice. Yeah. I will say one of the interesting things I read about this movie, they got sued over this movie and the eventual sequels they created. They got sued by the guy who lived this. Yes. Oh, actually, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the film is loosely based on Scott O'Grady. Yep, 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 yep. So he was shot down over Bosnia and evaded the Bosnian Serbs for over a week behind enemy lines before being rescued. And I think this is a good segue into another theme, gritty survivalism, mm-hmm. and about being out there by yourself and stranded and stuck and trying your best. In my mind, that is one of the saving graces of this movie is those choice scenes where he's trying to survive, where he's crawling through the mud, where he's like going from tree to tree and he's trying to like hide and survive essentially. Like I wanted more of that. That to me, movies that have done that are like their choice because they show the human condition. They show acting. They show like human struggle and they make you really feel for the character and they create a level of tension that when it's pulled off is just so so good Mm -hmm. um some of the scenes and again this was me internally like thinking why wasn't the rest of the movie like this when he's crawling through the mud and breathing hard looking around and the camera's like jumping everywhere as as the guys in the background are like following him the crow the croatian or serbian militia Uh i thought of dunkirk oh right the entire movie at dunkirk survival movie Mm -hmm. and that's what the main characters are trying to do they're trying to survive yeah and that's what it felt like. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. That's those scenes. So in the movie, Owen Wilson veers off course after a routine patrol, and he gets shot down by land-to-air missile, and he miraculously survives. And then after he survives, he has to survive in Bosnia, war-torn Bosnia. Yeah. So I think if there's more scenes of that, where he's like trying to live and outrun the militia and to get back home like that would be amazing a survival movie that's why i included in in the season is because of those scenes where he's like evading the nico bellic from gta 4 (laughs) (laughs) i was just thinking about that i'm like all right well you got the representative adidas here following (laughs) you around i i merely thought like i couldn't help but laugh when uh you know, Owen Wilson like swapped his body with somebody else's and he like checks. He's like, Oh, he's got the same tattoo as me. When he pulled it back, I immediately thought like you were going to see the Adidas logo stamped on his. <laughs> you see that? That is a Nike logo. I have Adidas three stripes. We're from separate prisons. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I wish there was more uh, survival. Like that. Yeah. More survival. Anyways. So Chris Burnett, yep. his, his character was very, Interesting to me because he embodied a very specific soldier and a very yep. specific soldier of the time pre 9 11. 
which was he was just patrolling. A peacekeeper. Part of the international like mandate of NATO and the UN to like, yeah. try and prevent things like uh, Rwanda from happening, yeah. essentially. Someone that's not in an active war. Yep. And what he said in the beginning of the movie in the first act that really stood out to me was everyone thinks they're going to punch a Nazi in Normandy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I that was that was actually a pretty good focus on the on the time yeah. and the bravado people had. It's like when you join the military, it's like, oh, I'm gonna, you know, fight tyranny and do all these things, and then actually, and they saw it that way to you. Yeah, I think that was because of post 9/11. They probably recut it to be like, like, yeah, America, we have you know, the most powerful army. No one can stop us. <laughs> Join now, enlist. It's like you fly cool jets and do other cool stuff. It's right. Like, and those days are over. Like there's there's no more Nazis. There's no like there's evil no great empire. Evil, yeah. 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 It's just like these proxy wars all around the world that we're just kind of like managing and making sure they're not like getting out of hand. I, I mean, if you want to talk about what I know of the military from my military family, mm-hmm. not from my own experience, of course, you know, it was never in, never served. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. He would have gotten court-martialed. He would have gotten court-martialed. He would have been suspended. He would have been put in the brig. They would have had a helicopter come pick him up. And Okay, cool. You don't want to be out here? Get out then. You're a danger to everyone around you because wow. you're reckless. Wow. Like, like, like wow. Wow, court-martial. <laughs> Anyways, um, I mean, that alone, like, you know, at the end, they give like this, like, as though it's based on a true story. This whole story of like, oh, and then uh, Burnett stayed in the military after all, and everything was fine. And I'm like, in the real world, no, he would not. He would have been court-martialed the moment he got back on that ship. He would have been <laughs> dragged away in cuffs. You destroyed a piece of military hardware. You directly disobeyed an order. Uh-huh. You got one of your fellow soldiers killed for no reason. You, you endanger the lives of the entire vessel essentially because yeah. we had to send people out to save you and we had to compromise I like all the things the NATO commander was telling Gene Hackman was true by us doing this we are threatening the situation we are possibly opening up a massive war inflaming a civil war into something that would be a massive conflict that would infect the rest of the region like so many things are wrong with that that I was just mm-hmm. like ah, like internal screeching <laughs> But Josh, you don't understand. We have to get our boy back. No, this guy would have been would have been abandoned. It's crappy to say, but you put yourself in a bad situation. The military is not going to expend every single ounce of energy to save you, especially if you're in a situation where you being there at all 
could inflame an international crisis. I know this from stories I've heard and yeah. from stories my father would tell and my grandfather would tell and mm -hmm. just the kind of idea of like, if you're stuck behind enemy lines by your own making, it's your responsibility to get out. Unless you are carrying the president of the United States or a general of the army, there's no reason they're going to send an entire like brigade or an entire helicopter or an entire ship out to save one person. That just doesn't make sense. Yeah, and that's why in the real life event of Scott yes. O'Grady, he was out there for a, a week. week. Exactly. And he had to get to the rendezvous point. They're like, you need to get here. Far like, we, out. We, yeah, we can't pick you up. He had to go to a neutral zone. Yeah. I agreed a neutral zone where it wouldn't seem that suspicious for them to come in and pick him up. Just imagine that. Yeah, he had to go. He like, if you, I read a little bit of uh, O'Grady's story mm -hmm. and the amount of distance he went is insane. Like he had to live on berries. He ran out of water. He couldn't find fresh water. He almost got found out multiple times. Damn. You know, when he was near his plane, he had to like hide in bushes and mud and they knew he was in the area. So they would just open fire randomly and like machine gun like an entire hillside or a forest just in hopes of like flushing him out like they knew he was there like they were following him and that yeah. is such an amazing story mm -hmm. and i wish by god that was told on screen <laughs> instead <laughs> just hey it's not too late i mean he hit that's leads into what i mentioned earlier he sued like i can't remember if it was the movie studio or the director himself but he sued them because yeah. he felt the story was just completely misrepresented yeah like his main thing was like, oh, Owen Wilson's not like me. He swore. I never swear. Okay. That <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure one of his big points was how reckless he was. Like, it's just, it's an action movie. It's right. an action movie. But I, I digress. I mean, would he though? Would he really he be court-martialed? 100%. 100%. 100%. There's no question about it. You disobey a direct order during a ultra hot conflict that they've just managed to cool down with a treaty which by the way involves multiple other nations it's not like we were there alone this wasn't iraq and afghanistan where we're the force that's there holding things together uh -huh. so we get the say of things that's not what was happening we were part of nato we were under their umbrella by us having some rogue fighter go out there disobey a direct order He's essentially, whether he liked it or not, representing the entirety of NATO. And then Gene Hackman's like, no, I have to get our boy back. I'm going rogue, guys. No, there there would have been... There Who's with me? There would 15 have been, men are with him. Right? Let's do it. No, there would have absolutely been a court-martial or two. There, if he would have gone back alive, they just... Like the real story, the real O'Grady, uh -huh. they would have told him, hey, you're on your own. Make your way all the way to a neutral zone. Well, that's 300 miles away. Doesn't matter. I know Grady didn't get shot down for disobeying orders. He got shot down because they had surface-to-air missile batteries mm -hmm. installed and dormant. Like, they had them turned off. So only when they heard a jet, they would turn them back on. So that way, radar couldn't pick them up until they, like, turned them on for, like, a short period. Yeah, it was very, very shaped. Like, yeah, that's, that's... And they were in places that they weren't really supposed to be. So where they were fighting fought. dirty. Oh yeah. <laughs> Who would have imagined? But he got shot down in a place where he was told to fly. Like his orders were to fly over there and to do reconnaissance. He didn't disobey orders, but sometimes bad luck 
shitty situation but still even so they didn't say send out an aircraft carrier and four birds and an entire platoon of marines and we're gonna get him back and send the admiral with as well like holy crap this is unrealistic i'm gonna go with them it's like yeah cool not only did we lose a plane two pilots but now you're gonna lose an entire platoon of marines and you're gonna get an admiral killed neat who's in charge now the janitor (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm I'm sure this will really justify things oh it would be even cool like if they did a movie where it's like we're gonna get him back and it's like the first act and like the admiral gets killed and then like the whole like battle group it's like what do we do now like holy shit (laughs) it's a good thing there's a chain of command (laughs) i'm in charge now fuck (laughs) (laughs) at at that point you might as well make a freaking adam sadler movie about how the janitor of the aircraft carrier gets to be the admiral for the day goodwill hunting (laughs) but war (laughs) oh god i mean it is a war movie he's at war with himself (laughs) um Okay, so <laughs> so let's talk about uh, the budget of the movie. The so, budget? Yeah, the budget. Watching the movie, you can tell that they had access to an aircraft carrier, to jets, to actual military equipment to make this movie. Yep. Like being all being on location. Yeah. Like they spent I think it was around 40 million, which is a nice chunk of change. I think what helped was the whole presentation of the material to get access to all that military stuff. He had, I'll give that to him, the director had a very, very edible plot. Yeah. A very safe, edible plot. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm a big critic of Hollywood and the fact that a lot of the movies they often make, the ones that get the most funding are the ones that have very safe, popularly accepted plots. Yep. It's just... it's just the way they work. They're yeah. You're going to get funding if they know you're going to get results, mm-hmm. and nothing gets results like a, a cheesy war movie about a guy flying a jet and <laughs> having to having to like escape baddies. So let me tell you something that you might know. For the CIA, they have something called the Entertainment Liaison, and with this uh, liaison, they're like, okay, we'll give you access to you know Humvees or tanks or the USS Indianapolis, but you'll have to adhere to certain guidelines and we have to look over your script and make sure you're not saying anything bad about the military. And I think as I was watching this movie, I had those thoughts. I was like, they have access to, at the time, state-of-the-art technology. You were just thinking the goddamn CIA has touched this all over. <laughs> they just they just rub their dirty hands. I always go. <laughs> like it felt like, a giant recruitment movie for the Navy. I, I mean, that's what Top Gun is. It's like, oh, put on Highway to the Danger Zone. Just yeah. put on Highway to the Danger Zone. Just blast that shit. And, you know, everyone will want to join the Navy. The Danger Zone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's get those Serbians. Let, let, let's ignore the fact that, like, only, like, I think, like, 5% of Navy recruits ever actually get to fly. Wow. Like, it's super rare. To be a pilot, you have to go through so many things and you just might not get chosen hey even owen wilson wasn't chosen our main character he wasn't the pilot he was the co-pilot he was the guy in the back <laughs> i mean i mean shoot after he did something that basically would have gotten anybody court-martialed i can see i can see why <laughs> hey let's uh let's go over there okay 
that was totally unbelievable to me that his pilot so lackadaisically went along with it. Hey, let's violate a direct order. Well, think about it. So in the beginning of the movie, uh, Owen Wilson is like pretty much yearning for an actual conflict. Like, oh, let's go. Like, oh, this is so boring. The monotony and he's, of every day. He's leaving. So that makes it more unbelievable, though, is that he's leaving. He's already put in like his form to discharge. Yeah. And the admirals accepted it. Gene Hackman accepted it. Like, oh, okay, well, whatever. I'm just going to hold on to this. And yeah, well, you'll be out of here before you know it. And, you know, his pilot was going to stay in. Mm-hmm. So why would his pilot so lackadaisically like, no, we shouldn't do that. Oh, all right. Like, bro, this guy's leaving. He has no stake in the game anymore. Right. They saw something weird on their radar. They're like, oh, you know, we're patrolling. Let's see what it is. And what they uncovered was a Serbian militia. I think they're in the demilitarized zone. Like, they weren't supposed to be there. So they took pictures with their fancy digital camera. Which was pretty cool. Which, by the way... They didn't know that's what it was. They saw military equipment, a lot of movement, but they didn't know what they were doing down there until, of course, he stumbles through the bodies and everything like that. He's like, oh. So after Owen Wilson is shot down by the Bosnian forces, he is on the run from one of the commanders of that militia because they can't afford to have an American be alive because then the American forces are going to come and rescue him. Then they're going to discover what they're actually doing. And so they have to kill him while he's evading their gunfire and their cars and all that stuff. He stumbles upon a mass grave. It's not really spelled out in the movie, but any type of research will bring you to the conclusion that Bosnia was doing some ethnic cleansing of their people. The history is very, very gruesome. Like, what did you think of the way they treated the atrocities, though? That's a big part of that conflict. Given the time period it was filmed, so it was filmed around 1999, so they probably wrote it around 1998, which would have been three years after the Scott O'Grady incident where he was shot down, and then it was discovered that the Bosnians were massacring a very specific people group, Muslims, And they ended up killing 64,000 of them. Yeah, it was a massacre. And they set up concentration camps. Estimates put it, um, the Muslim population in uh, that area dropped by 100%. It's intense. It's very intense. It's just, it's kind of surprising how much it was bungled portraying it, given how fresh, because I I get what you're saying that, oh, well, it was really recent and that conflict had tied up by the time this movie was getting produced. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. But I will contest that by saying that it was still fresh in America's mind how much we bungled our involvement or lack thereof in the Rwanda crisis. Yeah. Because Rwanda was already a few years past by the time this was put together. And that was kind of on a similar scale. We stepped away and we were within sight, within essentially smelling distance Mm -hmm. of a major international crisis of ethnic cleansing. And either we sat back and decided to do nothing because of political risk and gamification Mm -hmm. or because we didn't want to get our noses bloody ourselves. I think it was a little bit of both. Definitely. Definitely. What's shocking is no one really talks about the massacre that happened at Rwanda or even Bosnia. Yep. We all know about the atrocities that Germany did in World War II. I mean, a life is a life. Like one life is too much, but... No one talks about this. No one talks about the Armenian genocide. Like there's so many more 
horrific killings that happened in the name of governments so, that do, no one talks about. And I do think this movie is good, possibly significant, or culturally significant, because it actually sheds a little bit of light on the break of Yugoslavia, right. the Bosnia incident, or Kosovo, or any of that, that the whole era in, in Eastern Europe. I mean, you're listing atrocities that are really unknown, you're listing Rwanda and Bosnia and all that. I mean, you've got also the killing fields of Cambodia. You've got the Great Leap Forward of China. Uh -huh. um, you can think of the incursion of the Japanese into China during World War II. Mm -hmm. There's actually a movie that I thought of that was probably the saddest movie you'll ever watch. I know it's the saddest I've ever watched. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you ever want to just sit home and use up, like, multiple boxes of tissue because of how absolutely heartbreaking the movie is, it's called Back to 1942. And okay. it's about a Chinese um, landowner who lose him. Him and his family lose everything because the Japanese invade and all these refugees are going across the country, stealing things in their wake as they try and like move away from the incurring Japanese forces. Wow. And meanwhile, Chinese nationalists and Chinese Communist Party are at war with each other in their civil war as the Japanese are coming in. So the country's ripping itself apart. And the story is a true story mm -hmm. told from the perspective of his adopted granddaughter of how he survived. I won't spoil it for you, but like it's, it is a survival story. Mm. Like I thought of that movie when I was watching those teeny little clips of Owen Wilson trying to survive of just like back to 1942, man, I got to watch that again of just the entire movie, which is almost three hours long wow. is this guy trying to survive as he makes his way as far away from Eastern China as he can towards the West, Western China to get away from the civil war, to get away from the Japanese, to get okay. away from the crazed refugees that are all fleeing the conflict with them. Like it's intense and it's amazing. Well-produced. That sounds amazing. It's a great movie. I would say that might be a future syndicate episode. I would absolutely love to talk about that <laughs> movie. It's, it's a, it's a tearjerker. I warn you. The best movies are. So now we're at the point of the show where we like to give one reason why. Why would you recommend someone to watch this movie? It's an interesting movie to have on the background and perhaps watch as one of the few cinematic representations of one of the conflicts we were involved in, an important conflict in that part of the world that not a lot of people talk about, at least here in the United States. Yeah, and I have a very specific reason why I would recommend this movie. I think the movie is kind of like the twilight of war movies okay. where in the book Twilight, uh, yeah. Bella Swan. Oh, 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 uh, the actual series. I think it's the Twilight. You're being metaphorical. Like this is the <laughs> Twilight of war movies of Earth. Damn, Armand getting metaphorical here, but go on. <laughs> no, it's not it's being that allegorical. It's the Zenith. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Zenith of Owen Wilson war movies, but there's only one. Exactly. So, I hearkened it back to the Twilight books because uh, Bella Swan, the way she's written, yeah. is very generic, which allows the reader to put themselves into that character. And this, okay, this it, goes back to it being basically a big recruitment movie. Yeah. Because you could be Owen Wilson. Yeah. Oh, that's me. And that's what I would do if I was in this perilous situation. So <sighs> I think Owen Wilson's character and his portrayal of uh, Chris Burnett allows the viewer to put themselves in the situation and I think the movie in of itself is not really character driven but it's more event driven Owen Wilson doesn't drive the movie 
the events drive the movie and he's along for the ride. That's one of my big like pet peeves Mm -hmm. of media. I often equate bad media and badly created media to ones that follow that formula where the characters are pulled along by um, the universe. They're shaping it around them by them being there. Yeah. Instead of them having this massive world that they're just, they just happen to be stepping into. Mm -hmm. Like the reason star Wars is so engaging rather the ones that are really good is because you feel like the characters are treading within a very expansive world Right. It just seems like it doesn't end. And no matter what they do, the world moves on without them. Where meanwhile, some of the more less favorable Star Wars, I won't name which ones, they're not like that. They're written in a way where the characters are larger than life and they're shaping the galaxy around them and everything depends on them and it's so important. And it's like, this falls flat. This falls flat because you give me no reason to have care for the character. Right. You have me, give me no reason to be interested in the universe. You're essentially making it all about this person. Right. That to me is the indication of a bad piece of media is when I can tell almost instantaneously that, oh, this character is the most important thing since sliced bread. And whatever they do, it's going to shape everything around them. No thanks. It's lazy. It's lazy. It is. And it's following a formulaic process. And formulaic story writing Mm -hmm. is proven to be a dud. Like, oh, this person is good at everything. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. And they're perfect. And they're, they could defeat an empire. Regular, regular Katniss Everdeen. Yeah. <laughs> so the main reason I would recommend Behind Enemy Lines is it's a good conversation starter okay on a very forgotten piece of recent history okay and a very important thing that we should shed a light on which is the toll of what armed conflict can do to a nation and a people group so i think yeah it's a good conversation starter it's a good like starting point um you know what is a really amazing survival movie that i thought of as well while watching this that focuses on a conflict that's not talked about enough hotel rwanda black hawk down Back to 1942. Mm-hmm. There's another movie I'm trying to think of. 
I can't remember the name off the top of my head, where they're like stuck out in the jungle. Uh, Tropic Thunder. (laughs) (laughs) I was actually talking about that recently with someone about the whole amazing line Robert Downey Jr. says of I'm a dude pretend to be a dude who looks like another dude (laughs) hey that's that's timeless that's brilliant it's fantastic it's the only movie you'll get Tom Cruise playing a fat ball Tom (laughs) Cruise and uh Robert Downey Jr. in blackface exactly he's uh he was on uh he's on Joe Rogan podcast recently and Joe Mm -hmm. Rogan asked him if in this day and age could you do what you did in Tropic Thunder he's just like why not he's like I'm purposely playing somebody that is mocking the kind of people that see this as acceptable. Mm. Robert Downey Jr. was playing an actor who was acting like he could play a better black person than a black person, (laughs) which has happened before. You've had movies where you've had Asian Americans playing actual mainland Chinese people, even though these Asian Americans have never been to China, acting as though they're Chinese yep. in a Chinese movie about Chinese history. That's happened. And it's just like, you don't know what to think of it. If right. the movie's good, you're like, oh, that's really interesting. But if it's not, and they, they feel very unnatural in the roles they're in, then it's like, yeah. Maybe Behind Me Line's got real Serbs, though. Hey. Um, actually, they did not. Oh. <laughs> because, Speaking of which. <laughs> yeah, because given the premise of the movie of like, vilifying uh serbians and bosnians oh, yeah i get some real serbs in there what are you gonna play well you're gonna play your your your, your uncle essentially remember when you killed all those people you're gonna play him yeah it's like it's like i already did enough of that never mind <laughs> um, i mean i mean i mean i was farming <laughs> <laughs> but that's it for this time on syndicates we hope you enjoyed yourself we've been talking about behind enemy lines by john moore please check it out where it is available and I'd like to take a moment to thank my guest, Josh, for coming on the show. It was a pleasure. And if you'd like to keep the conversation going, please add us at Syndicates on your favorite social media platform. That's Syndicates, C-I-N-E-D-I-C-A-T-E. And if you have any questions about the program or even media that we recommend, please reach out at info at syndicate.com or visit the website, syndicate.com. Until next time, stop that scroll and spend more time watching. See ya. See ya.